Hello, and welcome to the seventh episode of Lights, Camera, Ulysses, the premier podcast on all things Joyce and Cinema. This is your host, Robert Kraut, and I'm recording today from the Freeman Newspaper Offices. This episode is brought to you by Bloom Advertising. If you want a company that deeply cares about your product and how it's presented, choose Bloom Advertising. I'm going to cheat a little bit on this episode because of an obvious conundrum. Ulysses was published in 1922, and the first film with dialogue, The Jazz Singer, debuted in 1927. So while spoken dialogue wasn't used in the films that Joyce was watching, it's nevertheless a crucial aspect of film today. But let's back up and ask ourselves, what is dialogue, both in relation to films and literature? Since I've already argued that films aren't about exposition, it seems strange that I'm now drawing attention to the words in movies. But good dialogue isn't about exposition, it's about style. Similar to tracking shots, effective dialogue can be used to draw the viewer into the film, helping them feel the ambiance of the world and the personalities of the characters. I'm going to jump forward 80 plus years and argue that Quentin Tarantino, whether you love or hate his films, understands this about dialogue. Take his magnum opus, Pulp Fiction. So much of that film is composed of mundane and humorous conversations. Small talk about burgers and foot massages, what type of heroin is trending. These characters aren't explaining anything really, but they're building a world with their words. And one critique of Tarantino is that all of his characters sound the same, which may be, but I love the way that they sound. Not quite like normal people, but close enough to feel real. And so we have Aeolus, the chapter about rhetoric and lungs, segmented by its most notable stylistic element, newspaper headlines. However, I'd argue that the heart of Aeolus rests in its dialogue, and we have a lot of characters talking. While Joyce often indicates who is talking by saying, you know, changing his drink, Mr. Dedalus said, a great deal of dialogue is left untagged. This gives these conversations a chaotic tone, where the reader must figure out who's talking. While this might be viewed as a flaw, Joyce isn't aiming for clarity, but for confusion, trying to capture the hectic nature of an office setting, people talking over one another, and sounds coming from every direction. One of my favorite filmmakers, Robert Altman, goes for the same effect in his movies, such as Nashville, where multiple tracks of dialogue play at the same time. But it's not just how the dialogue is arranged that makes this chapter important, but the content of it as well. Really all throughout Ulysses so far, Joyce is focused on mundane speech, choosing conversations about milk over grand Shakespearean soliloquies. This chapter is no different, and the conversation shifts from riddles to gossip and all the way to higher concepts like history and the art of journalism. And it's written very colloquially, capturing the vocal fluctuations of the characters as well as the slang and profanity that they use. A personal favorite of mine comes from Crawford when he tells Bloom that Keys can, quote, kiss his royal Irish arse. Hilarious, but also effective in establishing the world of Ulysses. And with this dialogue, it's important to consider that these journalists, the heralds of truth and history in Dublin, are just as full of hot air as everyone else. A critique of journalism? Perhaps. But I think Joyce views all dialogue as empty, to some extent. Or at least separated from a grand narrative. That doesn't mean that it can't be entertaining, though. And filmmakers today should strive to use dialogue in this way. Stylized and not expository. Thank you for tuning in, and I'll be back after I figured out all of the historical illusions in this chapter. Whoa.